And uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Mark and Sister Kathy. It's just a great privilege and a joy to be at the 11 a.m. service here at the iconic Kensington Temple. And um, really, really uh, so privileged to be here, particularly in Black History Month. Um, and um, I just feel that I want to take us right back to the church as it breaks out from that upper room um, in Jerusalem and begins to spread. And those early days of the church where the church grapples with issues and because of the way that they dealt with those issues, the church began to grow and prosper. And so we're going to begin this morning in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 to 13. I wonder if someone can just grab me my water because I can feel myself already um, just slightly thirsty. So if you don't mind, I'll just take a quick drink. Thank you so much. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthian, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, um, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And perhaps the wine was flowing because this was a festival. This was a global festival that attracted people from all over the new world. And of course, as Christians today, we know Pentecost as the time when the Holy Spirit came on the church. But in those days, Pentecost was the equivalent of our harvest. It was the time where people came and celebrated the ingathering of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And it was vitally important because the reality is, if the harvest didn't come, then people starved. 
It's very interesting, isn't it, that recently, because of the Russian-Ukrainian war, suddenly we had a, a shortage um, of oil because so much of our cooking oil actually comes from Ukraine. There are parts of the world where suddenly the price of wheat spiked, including here, because so much of the world's grain comes from Ukraine. If that can happen in 2022, how much more 2,000 years ago? So this was this huge festival that brought people from Africa, from Asia, um, and from Europe, and they descended on uh, Jerusalem. And for me, this story, this picture of this diverse group of people for whom the Holy Spirit is poured out upon is the antidote to the story of the Tower of Babel in, uh, in Genesis chapter 11. Remember, they said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. And it says the Lord scattered and confused all their languages. You see, friends, when humans plot and scheme together without the Lord being in the midst, very little often comes to it. In fact, usually, it actually involves more bad than good. This is why there are probably so many conspiracy theories around, because that old saying is true, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's perhaps what has fueled Brexit and some of the anti-European sentiment that we've seen over the last few years. And I'm not making a political statement there. But what I am doing is comparing it to this moment in Acts where the Holy Spirit comes down and rather than people's languages being confused, suddenly everyone is hearing their own language and understanding. This is a Pentecostal movement of unity in the midst of diversity. And there is something precious and special about that. And I want to say that why it's such a joy for me to be here in Kensington Temple is, is that there's incredible diversity in this house. And yet there is a oneness and a unity in Christ. Just as there was gratitude and thanksgiving when the Holy Spirit came down, so this morning, in the midst of our thanksgiving and our gratefulness to God, God will break through again by his Spirit. Just imagine, is that the same thing happened that happened for the first church, for the prayer meeting that started into the upper room, broke out onto the street. Imagine if our praise and our worship was so powerful that we left our seats and began to dance onto the streets down Portobello Road. People will say that actually the Notting Hill Carnival has come early. <laughs> Lord, do it again. 
And as we scroll down and we scroll through the story of the early church, and let me encourage you to read that story. We then read in Acts chapter 6 um, about Philip the evangelist as the church begins to grow. I'm going to read verses um, 1 to 7 from Acts chapter 6. It says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, which are the Greek Jews, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, um, Prochorus, Nacanor, um, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What an incredible story of how the church began to grow. And it wasn't just because the Holy Spirit was at work. It was because in moments of controversy, in moments of social injustice, the church was willing to deal with the issue. An issue arose where the widows from a Greek, um, Hebrew, Greek Jewish background and the widows from a Hebrew Jewish background, it was felt that they were not being treated with equality. And that could have caused a split in the church. And so the apostles used their wisdom and engaged that social um, issue, social justice issue. And Philip was, was an evangelist and, and, and Stephen as well. And these were men that were as comfortable preaching the gospel to crowds as they were running a food bank. Because I think that this is the first example we have in the scriptures, in the New Testament, of a food bank. What can we learn from this, friends? We ignore the social justice issues of our day at our, our peril. It's really important when there are social injustice issues in our community that we are not so heavenly that we are of no earthly purpose. If we are so heavenly that we are of no earthly purpose, let's all go to glory now. But God hasn't called us to glory. He has called us to engage with the issues of the day. I want to tell you about a story of an issue that emerged in North Birmingham um, in the last year or so. Um, there was a young, young boy for, of Jamaican heritage, uh, 14 years old, who his mother sent him out to play, did John Reed, um, football. An altercation took place during the day and he ended up being stabbed to death. 
It caused great sadness in the community. There was a lot of tension at the time. And the whole thing went to court. Um, um, and and, and, and the, the result was is that the, the person who, who committed uh, um, the killing was given manslaughter. But there was a sense of injustice for it should have been murder. But what I want to say is this, is, is that in that moment, the police and the local authority and the other agencies looked to the church to stand up and be a voice and stand alongside the family. And I'm pleased to say that that's exactly what the church did. Black churches, white churches, Asian churches, multicultural churches, standing side by side. And I remember we did a memorial service at, at the spot where the young person died. It was attended by over 200 people. And what you need to understand in this particular part of Birmingham, it's predominantly um, a, a white population, but the, the, the guy was black. And so there was the potential for re real tension. MPs were there, councillors were there, various dignitaries from uh, the various agencies in Birmingham but it was led by the church. So much so that the police just stayed in the background. And we led a service in memory of the um, young boy's life, but also we stood with the family in their pain. And I know that one of the bishops in our city has, has been the spokesperson for the family and has walked the whole journey. That is what God has called us to do as the church. And I think that that explains in this moment why the church grew. Because suddenly here you had this social justice issue where some were being fed and some weren't. And the church did something about it. And the Bible says as a result, many more disciples came to faith. And even the Jewish priests found themselves converting to following Jesus. A powerful moment where the church stands up and becomes the church. Some of you would have seen the Queen's funeral and a, a, a wonderful young millennial leader um, called Shamara Fletcher reading so eloquently at the Queen's funeral. Well, I'm proud to say that she's one of our staff members um, at Churches Together in England and she leads our Pentecostal and charismatic grouping and she was representing that grouping and, and really since that's happened she's been in high demand. She found herself on talk TV, been interviewed by Trish Goddard uh, and Capital Extra as well. And, and she, one of the things, and I was been helping to her to unpack the experience and the journey since. And, and one of the things she, she said to me is, is, Mike, yes, they want to hear about the fact that what was it like to read at the Queen's funeral? But they also want to hear, well, what is the church doing about the killing of, of Chris Carver? And, and what is the church doing about this issue and that issue? and the cost of living crisis. Is the church providing warm hubs for those who are gonna freeze in their homes in winter? You see, people need to know that the church really cares. And actually we are not fake, 
that we are there. We're more than just singing great songs. As much as I love to sing great songs, we're there in the tough times and in the suffering too. I'm coming now into land. And I want to wind forward a couple of chapters to Acts chapter 8 and uh, verses 26 to 40. We won't read it, but there we see that um, Ethiopian official who God is, leads Philip by the Spirit to join him in his chariot and preach the gospel to him. And it's a fascinating story because you have this high Ethiopian official who is well-versed in the scriptures, already reading the scriptures. And what a lot of people don't know and understand is is that the Ethiopian royal family um, draws its roots right back to King Solomon. And so they were versed in the scriptures. But Philip the evangelist come and he preaches the whole counsel of God And suddenly, this Ethiopian official finds himself giving his life to Jesus and there and then being baptised. Now, we don't read much about what happens in the story onwards. But what we do know from history is, is, is that the gospel spreads to the south. And what we have emerging in the first and second centuries after Jesus is the rise of the African desert fathers. And it is those African desert fathers that are the biggest influence on the early Celtic Christianity that first established itself in Ireland, in Scotland, in Wales, and to the west side of England, and then later then develops throughout England. We also know that the Ethiopian Empire, and it was a huge empire at that time, declares itself a Christian country in AD 400. That is 250 to 300 years before England can call itself a truly Christian country. England really becomes a truly Christian country somewhere between 650 AD and 710 AD. And you can read lots about that if you need to. Why am I saying that? And why am I going to say more? The other thing that we know is, is that Thomas, doubting Thomas, St. Thomas, he is sent to India and he plants 14 churches in AD 52. And so what I'm doing is telling you the story of the gospel that spreads through the ministry of Paul into Europe, a gospel that spreads down into Africa, into the global south, and a gospel that spreads east into Asia. And many people, they look and they say, well, you know, Christianity is a Western religion. It's a European religion. No, it isn't. It is an African religion, it is an Asian religion, and it is a European religion. It is a global religion that all of us, all of us can proudly embrace. And I think it's important, particularly standing here in Black History Month, that we tell that story.
Because there are, particularly in this political climate, those who want to take the gospel message and attach it to their political agenda. And actually what we need to do is to resist that and to recognise that in the wisdom of God, God's spirit broke out on the first church when the known world was all gathered and from there it spread to the north, to the south and to the east. That is the God that I serve. That is the gospel that we all preach. And we should resist those who want to attach um, our gospel message to Christian nationalism and all the other isms and schisms that they are. So in conclusion, I want to say three or four things to you this Black History Month. Let us celebrate our unity in diversity. Let's push deeper into a unity where when one suffers, we all suffer. Let's allow our social action to be a witness to the world. It's wonderful just to see some of the things that are going on here. You have, I know you have a food hub, you have youth stuff, you have children stuff. This is absolutely vital. People need to see the church cares and the church is relevant. It was demonstrated there in Acts chapter 6, and in 2022, we need to demonstrate that too. And let's tell the story of the gospel that was global from day one, that was the antidote of the Tower of Babel, where people's lives from all over the world were transformed and a gospel that continues to transform our lives from wherever we come. Our destiny is people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation who will one day gather before the throne. Today is a foretaste of the glory that is to come. Let's stand. Just want you to just, just perhaps raise your hand and I'm going to pray. I haven't gone on too long this morning. Your dinner won't burn. But in this moment, I just want us to just raise our hands. And just in this moment, I want us to celebrate our diversity. If you want, just look around the room and you will see people from every nation, every background, but we have one thing in common. We have found Jesus to be our Lord, our Saviour, hallelujah and our friends. And in this moment, I want us just to celebrate that. Father, we want to thank you for the blessing of being together as one. We want to thank you, Lord, that we come from nations and from background and from heritage, from the four corners of the earth, but we find one thing in common, our love for you. And I want to pray here in West London and in the wider city of London and in this nation, this church, this house would be a witness to what it means to live together in love, in unity and in harmony. 
May, Lord, may the light shine brighter. May it be a light on a hill that cannot be snuffed out, that men and women, girls and boys, young people from all over the city will see it and say, I want what they've got. I pray that now and I speak it over this congregation in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. God bless you.